Depression, anxiety, and autoimmune symptoms after birth is not how it's supposed to be. There is a much better way, and I'm here to show you how to do just that. Hey, my friend, I'm Miranda Bauer, a mother to four kids and a biology student turned scientist obsessed with changing the world through postpartum care. Join us as we talk to mothers and the providers who serve them and getting evidence-based information that actually supports the mind, body, and soul in the years after birth. Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Postpartum University Podcast. Miranda Bauer here. And I'm going to give you a special insider sneak peek of a recent masterclass that I have done. And I was with several hundred professionals in the field. And we had this masterclass, uh, The Future of Postpartum, where we were here to really talk about the urgent changing landscape of postpartum care and the critical action needed for better health outcomes. And so I'm giving you a little sneak peek. This is a, a preview of what we talked about, what we got into. And of course, there's far more within the professional membership where you can listen into this as well as the rest of this where we get into how we can change our practice and really start supporting the need for better health outcomes. How do we do that? What are we doing? What does that look like? And everything in between. So I hope you enjoy this bit and please, please reach out to us on Instagram. Let us know what you think. We are super excited to hear from you. Let's talk about this. Let's get into this. Childbirth and postpartum has not changed. We have been giving birth since the dawn of time. However, the way we care has changed and it's changed significantly. And another shift is happening right now. But before we understand that shift and what's really transpiring, what we under we need to understand the landscape. So I'm going to share with you the three major eras, okay? These three major time frames uh, of our, our maternal health care. And it goes back to the dawn of time, right? To about the pre-1900s. And this is a, a, a time when I call the community-centered time. This is a really high connection time between mother, family, care providers, and support. This is the time we always talk about when we, um, you know, as doulas and, and midwives and uh, childbirth educators, it's the time where the community came together, where you had someone who came in and, and washed your dishes and folded your laundry for you. It was the time when somebody cleaned your house and helped you take care of your baby. Like you had a team of people who just came in your house, cooked you meals. Somebody was there massaging you. Somebody was taking your other kids, right? It was just like a flow of, of people who were coming in. This is that community-centered space where we didn't say, hey, I need something, right? It was just already assumed that, of course, you needed help. Of course, you needed support. And you had it. There was no question. As a matter of fact, if you didn't want the support, well, then you were probably in trouble because people were going to come and give you support whether you wanted it or not, right? 
We had this support. We had high connection with our providers, right? Our midwives were coming by to visit us. We did this is pre-doctors, right? Our uh, we obviously had doctors in the early 1900s in this transition, uh, but we had this high connection, and the woman's experience was very valued, incredibly valued. Okay, we listened to what she was saying. We honored her. We served her and intuition was incredibly necessary, especially with higher death rates. So this is very interesting. You know, many, many eons ago, especially before the pre, you know, 1900s, when we're talking about, you know, 14, 1500s, you know, those, that time frame, we're talking about significant death, right? 46% of babies didn't live to see their their fifth birthday. There was disease. This is before we understood germs or the germ theory. There's some other ones out there that are more relevant today. Uh, but we, what we didn't, we didn't know a lot about what made us sick. We didn't know a lot about how to care for ourselves. We didn't have these, these technologies, right? And so it was very important to follow our intuition. And it was very important that we stuck together. So we had the community centered and then that shifted. Now we have the reformation centered between around 1900. This is just an estimate through the 1960s. We had really high stress trauma with war. There's tons of war that was going on across the world, not just within the United States, depression, uh, disease, famine. Okay. There was lots of famines that were going on during that time. And there was this desire to change. And at this time, I actually share in my pro membership, we, we have a history of, of um, postpartum and a history of, of uh, women's healthcare and, and how that shifted and healthcare in general. And I talk a lot about that shift uh, between midwives to doctors. And here that a lot of that has shifted, but to, to share very briefly without going too much into it, there was this, there was significant change, industrial, technological, medical industry. It was all growing and there was a promise of better. There was a promise of better. And here we have the insert of, of women's rights, right? We, we didn't want to struggle anymore. We didn't want the pain of childbirth anymore. We, you know, we, we didn't want to wear bras anymore. Who said that, right? Like all of these things where we were, you know, the pendulum was really swinging at this point. It was saying, wait a second, do I really want this? Formula came on, on, on um, the scene. So it was a lot of women stepping back and saying, I don't want to be in this high stress trauma space. Because when you have war and depression and disease and famine, okay, what you have is no more community support because that community wasn't coming in because they were afraid or that community space. They, they, they were too busy taking care of their own families because the men were off at war, right? They had to fend for themselves. They became the sole breadwinner. They had to do all of the things. They had to chop the wood. They had to, they had to take over so many roles. And now we can't support each other in the way in which we need. So the story shifted to you know, let's take care of each other to, man, I can barely take care of myself. And then the stepping back of that and saying, I can't do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to feel pain in childbirth. I don't want to breastfeed. I want to do my own thing, right? I want to be free from this. 
right? There, there became a disconnection, which is oftentimes a trauma response. And then there was innovation, right? Discovering the self, the female roles, the self-expression. So then we're, we're moving on into another era. Now we have the technology centered, and that's from the 1960s to now. There's no connection to providers and support care. You go to your provider, you go to your doctor, and you have five minutes with them. Right? That's the standard. That's that's the normal right now. And there's a letting go um, for a promise of better care. There's this patriarchal model that has truly taken over as women. We said, I don't want to do all of this. I don't want to be in this trauma state. I don't want to. And what we've done is we've kind of let go. And that medical model, that patriarchal model kind of took over. And honestly, it was going on for quite some time, right? It's not just because women said, I'm going to step back. There was a very big push for women to step back that was happening between the 17 and 1800s, um, you know, especially in the medical world. So there's already this massive push to step back, okay? Um, and, and technology became valued over our own bodies as women. I'm using this right here, this image for a very specific reason. This is the cover of the postpartum nutrition plan, which is pretty famous. Um, it's probably one of our biggest pieces in um, uh, our, our entire postpartum university. And I had a professional reach out to me and send me an email telling me that they were offended by this cover that they didn't feel that it was okay, that this was on the cover of a book, that she should be covered, and that she didn't feel like she as a professional could share my work with anyone because it was embarrassing. And I think that speaks so much to this technology-centered space, right? Where it's okay to use technology such as bottles to feed our babies, but it's not okay to use our own bodies, which were designed, our breasts were literally designed to feed our children. Okay. We've become so disconnected, so disconnected from our body. So these are, these are really the three different areas. I, I know it, it is sad. It is one of my favorite pictures. I don't worry. I will continue using it and I will continue sharing it with the world. Um, it is absolutely fine. Disconnection happens from, somebody had a question, disconnection. So it, disconnection is a trauma response and innovation, discovering self, female role and expression. This is the reformation that had happened, okay? And then that catapulted us into this technology-centered maternity care. Literally every gadget is designed to replace mother instead of supporting the mother. All of these most awesome swings, right? That are gonna help your baby get to sleep. All of these perfect bottles, all of you know the, the sleepers, all of the things. And believe me, I had my fair share of those too. I'm not saying that those are wrong in any way, but they are created to help you no longer need to be that mother, right? How We want your baby to sleep throughout the entire night. It's a, an entire industry. As a matter of fact, it's a multi-billion dollar industry. 
right? And it's completely disconnected to the mother baby dyad and experience. We don't want mothers to be mothers. We want them to be productive individuals within the home, right? We want you to continue on as if uh, having a baby never happened. And, and honestly, and back in the 60s, we kind of wanted that as women too. We wanted to take a step back, right? We didn't want all of this suppression. We didn't want, we wanted to make our own choices and motherhood is limiting. Let's face it, motherhood can feel limiting. We can't get out and do the things that we want because we have a baby who relies on us, but we've created a society. Society has created a society that says that it's not okay to do those things, right? Based on all of this technology. The shift of eras is what brought on the need and desire to change for the better. At every single point of those, from connection to the reformation to the technology centered every single one of those shifts were brought on by a need and a, and a desire to change and sometimes even trauma right and right now what we're doing is we're seeing another shift the pendulum swings right have you ever heard of that this is why i have the, the pendulum here the pendulum swings from one side of of having massive amount of care, right? That community centered to the reformation period that was somewhere in the middle of the pendulum to the completely opposite side of technology, okay? And now we're getting back. The pendulum was like, okay, that doesn't work. And this didn't work at the time. And that certainly didn't work either. So now we're shifting back again, okay? Where are we gonna find our middle ground? Because that's really what we want. We want technology to support us and keep us alive and keep our babies safe in those times when that is absolutely necessary. But we also want the connection. We also want motherhood to feel good. And we deserve that. So where can we meet in the middle? And right now, we get to decide that. Right now, we are in the middle of that shift. So let's talk about the facts of right now. What is happening right now? One in three women will develop postpartum depression. One in three. That's epidemic proportions. Women are at a 28% risk, increased risk of developing an autoimmune disorder in the first year after having a baby. How come no one is talking about that? As a matter of fact, science says, well, their baby cells are going through your body, so it might actually be the baby's fault. And other science is saying, guess what? That baby's cells is super important for the mother and actually heals the mother. So you have two sides of science that are not, that are not coming together. They're clashing and saying, we don't really know, and we haven't really put a lot of time and energy and thought into it either. Literally, it's brand new science. It takes an average of seven years for a woman to get a proper diagnosis for an autoimmune disorder. Seven years. We have a history of forced medical procedures, okay? Especially in the maternal mental health space, okay? Forced lobotomies were still happening in the 60s, okay? Insane asylums, that's what happens if your husband said that you were a little too cuckoo. That's where you went and you went without your baby, okay? One in three women in the United States experience birth trauma. 
30%, over 30% of women in the US experience birth trauma. How fair is that? How okay is that? How come we haven't done something about this? And here's, here, this is very incredible. Suicide is the second leading cause of death in postpartum. Are you kidding me? I, I get angry. Like, I, I apologize if you're feeling my anger. I get angry at this. Societal pressures exacerbate and are exacerbated, and, and ex- we tell women that they're normal. 6.2% of women experience interpersonal violence. I don't think that's actually accurate. There's some statistics that go up to 30%. And I think that's more accurate. Become a postpartum university professional. Our evidence-based trainings, guides, downloads, tools, and community membership is now open for applications. Join us as we learn, connect, and implement better care practices for ourselves and for our clients we serve. You can learn more at postpartumu, the letter U, dot com slash membership. Medical error in the U.S. is the third leading cause of death. So great. In postpartum, we have suicide and then we have our doctors killing us. That's fantastic. Western medicine only focused on short-term triage care with no consideration of prevention or long-term support. And that's what we need most as women, right? We need the ongoing long-term support. We talk about self-care all the time. It's kind of, it's a buzzword. And sometimes it's, it's kind of become a little annoying and obnoxious because we're always talking about self-care and how are we going to get self-care? You know what? It's not just, it's not self-care right? It's long-term, it's long-term support. It's your, it's your healthcare. And I think we have to really reframe that and reframe it because if we really start truly understood what it meant to, to serve ourselves, which is not going to target alone with a latte, right? It's not bubble baths and getting your nails done. It's learning how to say no, it's, it's having some quiet time to meditate or pray. It's being out in nature. It's serving our souls. That's learn, long-term support. The preterm birth rate and low birth rate for Black women are more than twice that of white women. Maternal mortality for Black women, 37.1 deaths per 100,000 live births compared to 14.7. That is more than double for Black women. I can't believe we're still having this conversation. That we still have to have this. So I'm telling you this because this is the stats of now. And clearly what we're seeing is not working. What we're doing is not working. And we already know that, right? These are just the facts that support it. We know that within our hearts. If you know this in your heart, give me it. Where are we? A three. I think we already dropped a two. Give me a three in the comments here. And yes, you're right. We have to talk about this. We can't keep silencing ourselves. Tiffy, teach about real self-care And part of that means demanding support and education and saying no and boundaries. Yes. Justified anger is not wrong. Birth trauma is why I became a doula. Beautiful. Yeah. So right. 
Look at all those threes. I'm so glad this is making sense. You guys are feeling it, okay? Gorgeous. So here's what we have. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. This photo here is not of a doctor's, it's of a dentist, but I, I had to put it in here. <laughs> Broken promises, because that reformation period, we were expecting better. And that's not what we got. We're disconnected. We don't even know our own bodies. We don't even know our own cycles. As a matter of fact, how many of us hate our menstrual cycle, right? How many of you hate your menstrual cycle? And how many of us as a society have been trained to hate our menstrual cycle? We are so disconnected from our bodies. We don't even know how to have healthy menstrual cycles that we love and enjoy. I'm telling you that's possible. I do too, Hannah. I love it because I learned to, right? I was the person, I had to call in work every single month on the first day of my period because I was in so much pain that I couldn't get out of bed. I would literally have to crawl to the bathroom. I bled so much. Anemia was a part of my story for a really long time because I bled so hard in postpartum or in, in uh, with my menstrual cycles. So I know what it means to have some serious PMS and some serious painful periods. Not the case anymore, right? Women and mothers are insignificant. How many of us have felt insignificant during the postpartum period or as mothers, right? Everybody comes to say hello to the baby and we are left with nothing. And in a couple of weeks, then we hear zero, nothing, nothing. We're medicated. We're a world who have been given medication galore. But are we better? No. Is medication working for us? Not in the least bit. And then what we've done is we've, we've normalized a feeling of mediocre motherhood. We've normalized mediocre motherhood. Yeah, it's expected. You're supposed to feel like crap. You gave birth. Of course you don't feel good. Your hormones are messed up because you had a baby. You're female. Of course you have crappy periods, right? We've normalized our pain. We've normalized our pain. And it's not okay to be in this space. It's not okay. Let me read some of your comments here. I used to hate it because of the pain. I don't have period right now because of my pill, but I'm seriously thinking to stop. Yeah, you know, the, the birth control pill is a whole nother story in and of itself. Yeah, absolutely. We have normalized peeing in our pants. Absolutely. Absolutely, we have. Anything related to the pain and discomfort of mothers or of women, we've normalized. Because why? And why have we normalized that? Because our world doesn't know how to help us. We don't, we don't, doctors, providers, healthcare, they don't know how to help, right? And so it's become normal because so many of us deal with it and there's not a solution for it. And so what we're doing here is we're breaking generational trauma. So here's what we're seeing in the world, okay? We got to talk about what we're seeing in the world. Medications for postpartum depression is coming up. We there's there's many companies that are racing to fill this gap. There was one a couple of years ago that came out on the market. It was a shot that you could get. It was like twenty six thousand dollars for this, but you never had to have 
another shot again or any other treatment whatsoever. And as a matter of fact, not only was it, it difficult to get, um, but it was very understudied. Uh, women were passing out and um, becoming unconscious. Uh, that was a really popular um, side effect of the drug itself. And they didn't know why, but it didn't seem to make any difference whatsoever. Zero long-term studies. Okay. And, and, but when that drug came out, there was a huge uh, pool from the population where people were really talking about the significance of this. And wait a second, we really do need something for postpartum depression. One in three people experience this. So there's a massive market here, right? And when we have a massive market, we have big money. And that's what drives our healthcare industry, unfortunately. Um, I talk about that in one of the trainings in the pro um, certification or pro master, uh, pro master class, um, professional membership of postpartum university. Um, and, and really talking about how science works, right? Science in the United States, as well as the healthcare, those are things that you can, you can, um, you can market, right? We see it all the time. We see ads for those kind of things all the time. Um, it's big business, okay? And big business means big money. And so what we're finding is that medication companies or companies um, uh, who create medications, they're starting to really look at, okay, how do we create a, a medication for postpartum depression so that we can fill this gap? Because that means big money. So the, the idea is not do, it's not how do we fix this problem? How do we get to the root cause of this? It's how do we alter your brain so that you don't experience it anymore? And we already know from science, okay? Science already has told us over and over and over and over and over again that depression is not in your brain, okay? So if you've ever heard of the serotonin deficiency or a chemical imbalance in your brain theory, those were those are old, outdated theories. They're no longer in practice anymore. They shouldn't be, right? We have new studies that show that that is not what happens for depression. And it's certainly not what happens for postpartum depression as well. So, but what we have, this is upcoming. This is in our future. We have medical companies and medications who are at the race right now to create a medication to, to get rid of or treat postpartum depression, meaning that somebody needs to be on the pill for a long time, okay? Which is not really helpful in any way, shape, form, or fashion because we're not getting to the root of this. We have expansion for medical health. We're, we're asking questions like, what is postpartum psychosis? Do we actually know what this is? There was a massive, difficult, traumatic, awful I can't even give enough words to it. Um, uh, scenario that happened with a mother who killed her babies. It's not the first time, right? And the questions were, well, do we actually know what psychosis is? How do we know that that was actually what happened to her? How do we tell the difference between psychosis and something different, right? So we're we're really we're really starting to ask the questions. Yes, that mother was on 14 different medications and she was in therapy four times a week and she was released from inpatient therapy. So the question is, are these things working? What did we miss? What what do we not know? Right? And that's that is really great in that now there's these big questions. 
that we need answers to. What is this? And so there is, there is this side that's looking into, there is an expansion that's happening right now. Um, I teach this uh, in, in my programs as well. Uh, postpartum depression wasn't an official diagnosis in the DSM until 1994. So what we know about postpartum depression or perinatal mental health disorders is really brand new information. We have never studied this before. It is truly new information. 30 years is not a long time. 30 years is babied. Healthcare industry really drives me crazy. It's probably a part of what brought me to care for expecting new parents on a non-medical side. Yeah, absolutely. Is it new because it's happening more? You know, it's hard to say. It's hard to say, is this happening more often and we're just more aware of it? Or has this been happening for a long time? And, and I think we can we can point out scenarios like this throughout history. I mean, this has been going on for so many years where, you know, this these similar scenarios have happened over and over and over again. And I think, again, we're just, we're being called, especially during this particular one, when we, you know, I think previously it was, moms didn't have the support they needed, right? And it was easy to say, well, they just didn't have the therapy. They didn't have the medications. They didn't have the support that they needed. And then we look at this particular scenario and we're like, whoa, she was in so much therapy. She was on so many medications and it still happened. What do we not know? Okay, it made us question everything we knew. So here's another one that's coming, upcoming. Insurance covering doulas. This is phenomenal. The insurance companies are actually going to be helping cover like doula care for labor and birth and postpartum. Like this is absolutely a huge blessing, but we also need to recognize it as a hurdle too. When you, when you are entered into a system, now what you're going to have and likely have is really challenging. Okay. So how do I explain this? You're going to end up becoming a system for those of you who are doulas, right? Expect that you might have a doula board, which means that you're going to have to file fees on a regular basis. You're going to have to have um, specific training and meet specific requirements. You're going to have to pass an exam. Okay. You might actually have to only, you might only be able to be qualified for it if you have taken your doula certification through the hospital. I am saying what we see often. We saw it in midwifery care, and I'm going to talk about that here in a second, but there's some really big, major red flags to this. Regulations, red tape, fees, Kelly Collins, you nailed it. Absolutely. They will only cover what is evidence-based. Okay. Do you see what I'm, I'm saying here? So yes, huge blessing, but we have to be on our feet. We have to be in the media. We have to be talking to our legislation because something is going to be happening here very soon if we don't do anything about it. And we're not going to have any say whatsoever. And the entire doula field is going to crash. That's not everything. We've got those pieces. now, we, And we also have questions about what does it mean to be a human? When does life start? What does it mean to be a woman? or a mother, right? Do you actually have to be a woman to give birth? Uh, medical units and pod technologies are also on the forefront where you actually don't even have to be a human to have a baby and grow a baby. 
these are these are happening right now and we we see that all the time and it doesn't matter what it is that you believe about any of these things that's not my point my point is it's happening right now these are the questions that we're being faced with let's talk about midwifery care yes it's become more normalized but currently being held at legislative level and under review Okay, and multiple states in the state of Alaska, it's happening right now. Many birth centers are closing due to high medical costs, low insurance coverage, high burnout, and high risk within the uncertain market. How many of you, out of curiosity, you can raise your hand, um, have have seen a birth center close or midwives retiring? How many of you have seen that recently? Yeah. Lots of that is happening right now. Lots of that. It's happening in my own hometown. Birth centers that have been open years. There's one birth center in in Alaska that uh, just recently closed. It's the only one in a giant town. Only one. I say giant. It's it's not that giant. But in Alaska, it's the second biggest town. And uh, it's gone. They closed after 30 years. So these are the big things that we're seeing. There's no birth centers in BC. Are you kidding? Our instructor would not allow us to use terms breastfeeding, encourage us not to advertise our services to mothers specifically. Lots of my doula friends uh, are leaving for so many reasons. I'm seeing that quite a bit. Absolutely. And I will say a lot of of women are out here saying, no, we, we are women and we breastfeed. Um, and that's, I mean, I am all for being respectful to other individuals who choose otherwise, but we, we have a right to use these words and you hear me use these words. I'd love to know who you're, you're speaking about Kate and Shauna. You can private message me if you want. Okay. What does all of this mean? So this is kind of dark and heavy, right? Take a, take a second to like, let it out. I'm glad that we're having these conversations. We're letting this go. We need to have these conversations so that we can move into that brighter, okay, what do we do now? What does this all mean? Okay, and again, no matter your beliefs, change is happening and we get to decide how we are moving forward. I am so grateful you turned into the Postpartum University podcast. We've hoped you enjoyed this episode enough to leave us a quick review. And more importantly, I hope more than ever that you take what you've learned here, applied it to your own life and consider joining us in the Postpartum University membership. It's a private space where mothers and providers learn the real truth and the real tools needed to heal in the years postpartum. You can learn more at www postpartum you that's the letter you.com we'll see you next week <music>